Well, we're going to take a break on our studying the book of Mark today because we're going to focus on what? Mother's Day. Awesome job in the video, the kids' video. Kids are hilarious. Who was 99? Somebody's mom was 99? Or five. I think I heard moms were five, too. You know, is there, there's a truth in life that moms have a, a tremendous impact on who we become as adults. Good or bad? How many of you have been told you are just like your mother? And there's a time where you, that's an insult. But as you get older, I bet you think that's a compliment, right? Is that true, Connie? Just like, yeah. How many of you have ever watched the uh, TV show Lo or Long Lost Family? So I think it's off the air for a while, but it was what it, the story is about is adults, generally, people in their 20s or 30s who were adopted, they want to find their birth parents. And 99% of the time, it's the child looking for the mom. And at the end, you see this heartfelt reunion, generally, of the mom with the kids. And the reason they're doing that is because there's a void in their life that they think that mom is the only one that can fulfill, even though it's been 20 or 30 years since they've seen their mother. The main question they want to answer is, why weren't you there? They can't answer that, but they want to know why. And there's always hugs and tears and remorse over past decisions. The point is, moms play a very important role in someone's life, whether they're here or whether they're absent. Like I said, good or bad. Now, Mother's Day sermons, there's a difference between Mother's Day and Father's Day sermons. Mother's Day sermons are, we love you, Mom, we're great, you're awesome, you're nothing but perfect. Father's Day sermons are usually, Dad, you need to shape up, you need to do things right, get going, quit working so much, be around the kids. Well. We're not going to do that today. And a lot of times what happens, I was listening to fam uh, Focus on the Family. How many listened to that radio show? And, you know, Mother's Day week, they're playing all kinds of Mother's Day programs. And I'm listening to this, and the people they have on there are generally, these are the perfect moms. They've written books. They're speakers. They go everywhere talking about their, you know, either their mom or they themselves did all these great things as a mom. And here's what you should do as a mom. Well, I was listening to that going, thinking, I wonder how many people listen to this show who aren't in that position. They're not the Proverbs 31 wife. Jen Peterson, an author, said, not everyone is happy on Mother's Day. Not everyone is a mother. Not everyone has a mother. But God is still God, and he is able to fill that void. Now, if you're of a certain age, you probably remember TV shows like Leave it to Beaver, my favorite, Father Knows Best. If you're way old, you remember my uh, Make Room for Daddy. All those shows had, you know, in Leave it to Beaver, and the moms wore dresses all the time, stranded pearls while cleaning the house. I don't know if that ever existed. <laughs> But I know it doesn't exist today. And if you read that and you watch that and you think that's how life should be, 
If you're a young mom, you're in, a, in for a rude awakening. <laughs> it's not going to be that way. We're going to look at moms today and kids who may not have had it perfect in their life. Maybe this, we're going to go a couple of different categories. Maybe this was your categories, not for moms, but maybe for you. The first category is maybe you grew up without a mom. Genesis 35, verse 14 says, Jacob set up a stone pillar to mark the place where God had spoken to him. He then poured wine over it as an offering to God and anointed the pillar with olive oil. Jacob called the place Bethel, house of God, because God had spoken to him there. Leaving Bethel, they traveled on toward Ephra, that is Bethlehem, but Rachel's pains of childbirth began while they were still some distance away. After a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, don't be afraid, you have another son. Rachel was about to die, but her last breath, she named Ben-Oni, the baby's father, after the baby's father, however, called him Benjamin. Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Jacob set up a stone monument over her grave, and it can be seen there to this day. Now, we know of a few families who have lost their moms early, for whatever reason, illness, and the children didn't have a mom around for most of the time. Maybe your mom wasn't around. Or maybe well, she was around, but she wasn't around. If you search the Bible, you find that God has a special place for those who, for whatever reason, did not have a mother figure in their life. It's a situation we don't like to face. But as I mentioned in the class today, the Bible is very, very real. It doesn't address it like a leave it to beaver life. It addresses it as it is. And in situations like that, it has happened and it continues to happen to this day. But God is the same. And God is able to make up for the loss that you are experiencing. It portrayed, the Bible portrays people as they are, not as perfect, but as people who struggle, just like we do today. If your mom wasn't around, God was always there even if you don't feel it. Psalm 27.10 says, Even if my father and mother abandoned me, the Lord will hold me close. Now, we believe the Bible addresses God as masculine, but it also describes him as having, having the characteristics of a perfect mother. Isaiah 66 says, I will comfort you there as a child is comforted by his mother. So God can be both to you. So when he says this in Psalm 68, 5, he's a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. He can also be a mother to the motherless. He can fill the void. Back in Isaiah, it says, I will comfort you, God speaking, I will comfort you as a child is comforted by his mother. If your mom was absent for whatever reason, God was and is there waiting to help. Now, when we were kids, we would go on vacation and we would fall asleep in the car. And my dad would carry us in wherever we were and put us to bed. And we'd wake up the next day having no idea how we got there. But we figured, it, we figured that dad probably had to carry us in. And I've done the same with my kids and you probably do the same with yours. Fall asleep in the car seat, Although back in my car seat was the floor, we didn't have car seats back then. You take them out of the car seat, you carry them in, you put them in the bed, and they wake up the next day, hey, how did I get here? 
The point is, you may not feel God carrying you from place to place. You may feel like you're walking alone. But the truth is, God's been with you every step of the way. I can look back on my life and I can see how many times God has protected me from things either that I've done or things that were going to happen to me. Imagine how many things you don't know that God protected you from. You're here today. How many accidents did God pre- prevent, protect you from? How many bad situations in your life did God prevent and protect you from? It may not have been perfect according to what the world says, but you look back and you say, I'm here only because of the grace of God. I didn't have a mom, I didn't have a dad, but look where I'm at now. Look where I am at now. The second point is, maybe you sacrificed raising your child so their lives could be better. Adoption. Moses was a perfect example. Exodus 2. During this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw what a beautiful baby he was and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a little basket made of papyrus weeds, reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the edge of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Now we've, talked to, we've had sermons on adoption and how it's a blessing that God allows us to be able to do that. In fact, the Bible says that God adopted us into his family. So adoption is God's idea. Now you hear the phrase unwanted a lot. I'm referring to babies. Total lie. Because everybody wants a baby. You may not at that particular moment, but there's a thousand people out there that can't have children that want children. Most adoptions occur because the mom or the parents realize that their current life situations are such that the baby would have a better life with somebody else. Maybe you're a teen mom. Maybe you had addiction issues. All kinds of things that you think somebody else would be better raising your child. And you sacrificed what you may have wanted for the moment to give that baby a better life. You did it for the baby. And isn't that what parents do? We sacrifice for our kids, right? We want our kids to have a better life than we have. We want our kids to have more than we have. We want them to be blessed more than we are. And we want them to come into a relationship with God at an earlier age as opposed to maybe we got saved later. And all around, adoption is a blessing for everyone. If you're that mom, you did the right thing. God was with you during that decision. God blessed you and God blessed that family. And one day if they come to know the Lord, you'll see that baby you gave away to someone who could do a better job at that moment. When a mom gives up the baby for adoption, she knows the baby's going to be loved and cared for better than she has the ability to do that. And we presume the baby has a better life. Our oldest daughter, Amanda, was able to adopt for that very reason. And now Ryan is blessed and has a better life than it probably would have been. 
And in more cases than not, the adoptive mom is also blessed by knowing that the baby has a better life. Exodus 2 verse 5 says, Soon after this, one of Pharaoh's daughters came down to bathe in the river, and her servant girls walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the little basket among the reeds, she told one of her servant girls to get it for her. As the princess opened it, she found the baby. His helpless cries touched her heart. Moses' mom knew that she couldn't protect him from what was going on. And when she heard the baby cry, she knew someone else would protect him. For you to give up your baby for a better life, that's the ultimate sacrifice a mom can make because you want the best for your baby. The third example was maybe you as a mom have experienced great loss. Now the book of Ruth gives us a story of how God blessed Ruth and caused her life to prosper, right? But what happened up to that point? Naomi was the mom of two sons. One of her sons married Ruth. And later we see that not only did Naomi's husband die, but both of her boys died. Ruth's husband. Ruth 1.20 says, Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why should you call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy? Moms, you ever feel this way? That God sent you tragedy? Well, the Bible says he doesn't send tragedy. And the truth is you're not alone during that time of suffering. Maybe you lost your mom this year. Maybe, and it happened before you knew it. And maybe you're struggling. But the Bible says God hasn't abandoned you. Maybe you're a mom and you've suffered the loss of something else in your life. The Bible says that's when God carries you. During her time of suffering, Naomi felt that it wouldn't end. Call me bitter, is what she said. Don't call, me, don't call me happy, call me bitter. Because my life is bitter. But even in her suffering, she was an encouragement and a mentor to Ruth. Even though she didn't feel like she could or wanted to, she still was able to mentor her daughter-in-law. She was fulfilling what God tells us in Titus chapter 2. It says, these older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to take care of their homes, to do good and be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Even though she was upset with God, she didn't let those feelings take away her desire to help her help Ruth. When you suffer, when you go through a loss, the Bible said, not only does God help you through it, if you allow him to do it, and you've got to reach out and let God do it. And it's easy to be like Ruth, or be like Naomi, and be really upset with it. And the Bible says it's okay to know. You know, how many have ever vented to God? You ever yell at God? Come on. Read Psalm 142. 
David was basically yelling at God, venting to God about how miserable his life was and how come you're not doing this. But we don't do that because we feel like, well, God will be upset with me if I yell at him. Spoiler alert, he knows how you feel. He knows you're struggling. He knows you're mad at him. You ever have a, a young child who is mad at you for something and they're not talking to you? And you're saying, what's wrong? Nothing. Come on, I know something's wrong. Nope. You know they're upset with you because of something you did or didn't do. And you're trying to drag it out of them. You know what it is, but you want them to say it. You know what? It's okay to vent before God because God's big enough to take it. If you've had loss in your life, it's okay to question God. It's okay to even vent. But the end of Psalm 142, what happens? David has a chance to vent, to yell at God. But during the time that he's doing that, the Holy Spirit's ministering to him and he realizes, God, you're the one who helped me through it. It happened, but you're the one that helped me through it and get out the other side better. Ruth 122 says, So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. And throughout the book of Ruth, we see Naomi guiding Ruth into God's plan for a relationship. Maybe you're of a certain age and your kids are grown and gone. How many know you're not done with God? There's, there's no retirement plan in God's kingdom. Well, there's one retirement plan. And we all know what that is. That's when you go to see Jesus. That's your retirement plan. As long as we are alive, our job is to minister to the younger people in the church, to encourage them and to bless them and to make sure that they understand the things that we've been through. As a parent, don't you want to tell your kids all the things, the bad things you did so they avoid those bad things? And even though you tell them that and they agree with you, they still do it. And they have to learn for themselves. We want them to avoid that but sometimes it just happens. They have to experience it for themselves. But our job is to do everything we can to encourage them and bless them. And Naomi, even though she experienced hardship and loss, she was still able to encourage Ruth to go on. Ruth 4.13 says, So Boaz married Ruth and took her home to live with him. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. And the woman of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has given you a family redeemer today. May he be famous in Israel. May this child restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you so much, who has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took care of the baby and cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor woman said, Now at last Naomi has a son again. And they called him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. Even though in her hardship she was able to encourage and bless Ruth, God honored that and allowed her to now have a grandson that she was able to raise, as the Bible says, as her own son. God will honor you, and God will use the hardships in your life to encourage someone who's coming up behind you. 2 Corinthians 1, Paul says, all these hardships that we suffered, we went through and we just barely make, made it out alive. But now we're able to encourage you who are just going into it. We've been there, we've done that, 
We got the t-shirt. Now let me tell you how God helped me in that situation. When you're struggling with something, you want someone to talk to you who's been in your shoes. If you're struggling with cancer, you want someone who's been there, who has been through the trials and the treatments and all that stuff. You don't want someone who's never been there, who has no idea what you're going through. You want someone who has experienced exactly what you've experienced. So they're able to tell you how God helped them. No better testimony than that. Number four is maybe you're a single mom and your life is hard. Well, there's two things about this. First, we see that Hagar, when she found out she was pregnant by Abraham, the hard life started. And she was being harassed by Sarah. Genesis 16, 6, Abraham replied, since she's your servant, you may deal with her as you see fit. So Sarah treated her harshly and Hagar ran away. Now you know the story. God says to Abram, you're going to have a son. Sarah got anxious. It had been 15 years. Nothing happened. She said, go take my maid, sleep with her, get a son. We'll do it that way. And God says, no, it wasn't my plan. But that's what happened. So the baby's born. And because now Hagar, the maidservant, is now a single mom. And she runs away. Things get tough and she starts running away. She makes a tough, a, a split-second decision to get out of the hardship she's in. Whenever you make a, a, a split-second, a knee-jerk reaction to a, a situation, usually it's the wrong decision. God encourages us to take time to pray about it. We talked about this last week. Take time to assess the situation honestly, without emotion, and then make a decision based on that. Usually those decisions made in the heat of the moment turn out well, very seldom. So she runs away, God catches up to her, and what did God tell her? Genesis 16, 7 says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a desert spring along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, she replied. Then the angel of the Lord said, Return to your mistress and submit to her authority. The angel added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. To the single mom, he says, if you stick it out, don't look for a quick fix. Don't look for something you think is going to fix it. You trust God with the choice that I'm telling you to make. I'll take care of you after that. Single moms will have it more difficult, but single moms can also do a great blessing to their children as they lead them to the Lord. I know a number of single moms back home had it rough, but their kids were always in church. Their kids grew up to love God, to serve God. They're all, half of them are in ministry now. Why? Because it wasn't the singleness of the mother, it was the determination of the mom to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. God helped her in every situation in that, situ in that scenario. So if you're a single mom, don't give up. You trust God and God will meet your need. Genesis 21 goes on and says, so Abram got up early the next morning and prepared food for the journey and strapped a container of water to Hagar's shoulders. He sent her away with their son and she walked out of the wilderness of Beersheba wandering aimlessly. When the water was gone, she left the boy in the shade of a bush Then she sat and went and sat down by herself about 100 yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said as she burst into tears. Maybe the dad's not in the picture to help you. You're doing it alone, and it gets tiring. We already said God's a father to the fatherless. 
And that means as you teach your kids about God, God will fill the void. God will make up the difference if you allow him. And that's something we have to do. We have to allow him to do that. God hears not only your cries, he hears the heart of your kids. Genesis 21, 17, then God heard the boy's cries and the angel of the angel of God called to Hagar from the sky. Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy's cries from the place where you laid him. Go to him and comfort him for I will make him a great nation, make a great nation from his descendants. Single moms, your kids understand that too. Maybe not totally, but they see the struggle you go through. And I'm pretty sure that they're also crying out to God for you because they see the hardship you're going through. And the Bible says not only does God hear a single mom's ears or prayers, he hears the kids. When we have prayer requests downstairs for little kids, one thing I'm going to warn you is there will be no secrets in your family when we do prayer requests with kids because they will tell you exactly what's going on. And they do it because they're concerned and they really believe that God's going to answer that prayer. And so if there's an argument with, between mom and somebody or mom and older brother, they're going to say it. If there's an argument between mom and dad, they're going to tell us. Why? Because A, they see it, they experience it, and they believe God can help. And the Bible says the faith of a child, right? Children, just you tell them something and they believe it. And then when we get older, we get cynical and we don't believe it. The Bible says we need to come to God with the faith of a child. That what God's word says, I don't get it, but I believe it. And I'm going to pray like that. And when these kids give these prayer requests, they really believe that God is listening to their prayers. And the truth is, he is. So when your children are going through situations, struggling at home because of the singleness, and they're talking to God, the Bible says God is listening to them. So your kids are praying for you. And God responds to them even if you don't feel that he responds to you. How many of you when you were younger believers, God seemed to answer your prayers real quick? And then all of a sudden as you get older, answers don't come quite as fast and you wind up waiting. And it takes longer than you think. Well, when kids pray, Stuff happens. Lastly, whether you are a mom or a grandma, you will have an effect on your children. Our job is to make it a good one. First, or 2 Timothy 1.5 says, this is Paul talking to his young new believer, his new preacher, Timothy. And he says, I know that you sincerely trust the Lord, for you have, you have the faith of your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois. Timothy was modeled by his grandmother and his mother in their faith. From what we know, his dad was not a believer. He was a, he was a Greek. He was not a believer. And, but he grew into the person of faith because of what his grandmother and his mother did, what they poured into him. And it didn't matter that his father wasn't a believer because his mom and his grandma were able to pour into his life what it meant to be a believer. It is possible to lead your child to Jesus even if you don't have a believing spouse. 
And it mostly depends on how you do it. James Dobson says, more is caught than taught. In other words, they will do what you do, not what you say. And I said it before, like it or not, kids, and by kids I mean daughters, you will become your mom. And moms, they will become how you act, not what you say. I still do things in my gestures and my speech that I can hear my dad speaking through my mouth. Your kids will do the same thing. They will do things and have your mannerisms. They will, they will act like you act in front of them, not what you tell them. Now, if they jive, that's great. But if you act one way and behave a different way or say something different, they're not going to listen to what you say. They're going to watch what you do. You watch a little boy behind his dad mimicking everything the dad does as he walks. Same with the daughter. They will become how you act. If you are loving and caring, whatever position you are as a mom, they will be loving and caring. If you are complaining and bitter, they will be complaining and bitter. There was an old poster, if a child lives with discipline, he will learn to, and it goes on. What they see you and how they see you act is what they will become. Now I focus on these things today and it seems like it's a downer, but it's not. Because even though we know what God's best is, two parents, that's God's plan, that's God's best. But the reality is the world's not perfect. And we don't live in the Father Knows Best era anymore if we ever did. It can be a hard life, but the Bible does not shy away from hard situations. They happened back then, and they happen today. The good thing is the Bible tells you not only how to handle that, but it tells you that God is there to help you through it and give you wisdom in that situation. The good news is that Jesus is able to help you navigate every scenario you encounter with your children. John 16, says, here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows. Encouraging, right? But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. If you lost your mom at whatever age or reason, look back and look where you are now and see how God kind of brought you to where you are today. Look around and see what God is operating now in your life. Maybe you were adopted, or you were the mom who gave your baby a better life. God was in the middle of that. If you're a single mom, stick with it. Stick with God. Don't let circumstances, situations that you think will make your life easier, but draw you away from God. That's the number one thing that happens with single parents is they see it maybe a better life, but the person isn't really a believer or they don't match up right. And what happens is now you marry an unbeliever and what happens is you eventually, it never works, never works out. Stick with what God says and God will provide. If you had a great mom, not perfect, but a great mom, thank God for it because not everybody does.
Perfect moms don't exist. Perfect kids don't exist. But if your mom did her best to lead you to Jesus and love you and care for you, then you need to consider yourself blessed by God. You don't want to know why you're blessed? Because moms, God took great care to prepare your child for you. And children, he put you in as a child with the mom he knew would be best for you. Psalm 139, verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in the utter seclusion. I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was even born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God prepared you for where you're going to be. Single mom, lost mom, whatever that is, God prepared you for that scenario. And God put you together exactly for that situation, and God carried you through that situation. God fashioned you at the moment of conception. And finally, Psalm 127, verse 3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. They're a gift. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. If you're a mom, either way, natural, adoption, however, God has given you a great, great gift. Now I know sometimes you kind of want the receipt for that gift, so you're going to exchange that gift But if you're able to weather the few times of struggle, you'll enter the next phase that God has designed for you moms. And that is grandparents. Right? Proverbs 17, 6. Grandchildren are the recrowning glory of the aged. I'm not sure I like that word. Parents are the pride of their children. You see what happens? If you let your children live through their teenage years, if you don't kill them, you are rewarded with grandchildren. And your children will actually be glad that, they, that you were their mom. Now, when they're teenagers, you know nothing. And you get like instant, instant education by the time they turn 20, 22, right? It's amazing how smart you become in that time. It says there, children are the grand, crowning glory of, yeah, age, it's a bad word, of us. Parents are the pride of their children. So the children are actually, they actually like you now at this point. Bottom line is being a mom is worth it. Being a mom, putting up with it is worth it. Through the difficult times, through the sicknesses, through the projectile vomiting, through the spaghetti on the carpet, everything. It's worth it. The sleepless nights, the homework days, the teenage years, all worth it 
in the end. And those times go by fast. Fast. You are a parent to a five-year-old, and next day you're a grandparent. It just goes so fast. Enjoy the time now. There's going to be ups and downs. God will help you through every one of them. Don't, don't wish for tomorrow. I wish they would just be moving out. No. Enjoy them now because it's going to go fast. And they will be gone at some point. And then you're going to want them back. Right? Grandparents, want them back. Well, they want the kids back. You can take, the, take your kids, leave the grandkids, right? Yeah. Everything that God gives you as a gift is because God loves and cares for you. He knows what you need, and he knows that you will be a blessing to that which he gives you. And that which he gives you are your kids. And God gives you, if God gives you those, he gives you the ability to be the mom you need to be. And don't let the world tell you that you're not good enough. Because nobody is good enough. Nobody is a perfect mom. We're all going to blow it. We're all going to make mistakes. The difference is we have a God that covers those mistakes. And when you look back on them, guess what? You don't remember them. Remember the good times. Would you stand as we close? I want to keep you. I know you all got Mother's Day lunches to go to. Great being a parent. We're able to celebrate 40 years, Anna and I. And she's been an awesome mom those 40 years. We raised awesome kids. We only did that with the help of the Lord. It's not easy raising children. God knows that. The difference is God gives you the, the power and the ability to weather every difficult situation that comes your way if you allow him. Father, we just come to you this morning and we thank you. We thank you for the blessings you've put in our lives in the form of our moms. And we thank you for the wives that we have that are moms of, of our kids. And some of us are grand grandparents. We thank you for those blessings as well. And we do honor the gifts you've given us, Lord. We don't take them lightly. They were fashioned for each one of us. Every characteristic that we possess, you have given to us. And every child you've given to us, you've given to us on purpose. No child is an accident. No child is unwanted. No child is a mistake. The Bible says every child is a gift. And all we can do is thank you for blessing us so much. Father, I pray for those in our, with an earshot that maybe they're not a mom. I pray that you would comfort them as well. Let the Holy Spirit really minister to them. Allow them to know you love and care for them just as much as you do everybody else. And you have a plan and purpose for their life. No less, no greater than anybody else. Whatever situation you're in as a mom, 
I pray that you would continue to seek the Lord. I pray that you would help them as they navigate the young years, the teenage years, even adult years. Father, give them the wisdom, the encouragement, all that they need so that when their time of influence is over, the children can look back and say, you did a good job. You did a good job, Mom. Father, we thank you this morning for all you've done, all your blessings. And I just pray that you bless every lady here today. Allow them to leave knowing that you care about them more than, more than we can imagine. Fill them with your spirit and allow them to leave encouraged, not by anything we've said, but by the power of God in their life. So, Lord, I commit this entire church to you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day, all you ladies. Hope you have a great day.